We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane, joined by Sean Spaces Davis. Sean, how are you doing? And uh, are you getting a little stir crazy like I am? Like, it's been kind of nice not having games every other night during this weird long break. But I'm already hitting the point where I'm kind of feeling a little bit antsy and, and needing the Lakers to get back into action. Yeah, at this point, I'm kind of just like, man, like, okay, this break's been good. But, like, can we, like, play now? And then yeah, I realize there's another day off and then you finally get to some Lakers action. So, yeah, man, can't wait. Now, if they were to lose their next game or, or go, but we get back into the the sadness that comes with the Lakers losing five games in a row, I might be regretting feeling that way. But as of right now, coming off a win, I'm like, oh, come on, let's go get another one of those. I want that feeling again. Um, speaking of which, I guess we should start the show off with an update on where the Lakers are in terms of all of their injuries and what they're going to be looking like for Friday's game, which is going to be against the Detroit Pistons. So the Lakers actually practiced yesterday, and we had Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder good to go, everything except for final clearance. Both of them practiced in full. Anthony Davis said they looked uh, unbelievable. They looked great. And the only thing they need is they need to get cleared officially 100% by the doctors. That will take place sometime today. Um, but Darvin Ham said they are anticipating that happening. So let's start there. How big of a deal is this for the Lakers to get those two guys back? I think it's big for one. Now you're finally healthy. Um, assuming everything goes well with LeBron, which we'll touch on in just a sec. But now you can kind of get a full roster evaluation, um, which seems like what the Lakers have been waiting on, waiting for Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant to get back. But Trevor, I've talked about this with you in the past. I'm kind of nervous a little bit now that these guys are coming back. Because now, like, we're really going to see what these rotations are going to look like. If Dennis back into the fold and what's Darby going to do with the guard rotation. More specifically, like, that's what I'm worried about is who's going to play. Like, I think Kedrick Nunn has pretty much erased himself from the rotation. Yeah. But, like, all the other guys is who's going to get minutes because Russ is going to play, Austin's going to play, Lonnie's going to play. I mean – Pat and Dennis, I think Dennis is you're gonna need him to play a little bit off the bench, especially. So do you cut minutes from Pat or you know that I, I'm kind of worried about that, but all in all, it's a good thing I feel that you're getting these guys back healthy. 
Yeah, I mean, the guard rotation is a bit crowded, but again, we've also seen moments where Patrick Beverly hasn't been able to provide much on the offensive end, and you know Dennis Schroeder should be able, while he's not an outside shooter, he can at least give you a little bit more offensive punch in terms of driving to the basket, getting into the paint, being a finisher there. So I think that's going to be important for this Lakers team to have somebody to do that. And I really just think, Whatever minutes Kendrick Nunn was going to get, those just go to Dennis Schroeder. I would, I would have to imagine that's got to be the initial plan. Now, I do want to say, you know, before we get into like Thomas Bryant and, and that situation, credit to Kendrick Nunn, who went uh, a couple of days ago. The Lakers weren't practicing. He went to South Bay Lakers practice. I mean, I don't know if the team told him he needed to do this, but Dennis Schroeder, Thomas Bryant went to South Bay Lakers practice and, and participated. The Lakers, every time they, they do something like that, they have to send a player down, you know, uh, officially, and then call them back up. It's just a procedural thing they have to do. And so they announce it. So they announced that that Thomas Bryant, Dennis Schroeder, were going to go down to the South Bay Lakers and get a practice. And makes sense, right? They're coming back from injury, want as much work as they can. The Lakers weren't practicing, so go get some reps in there. But Kendrick Nunn went with them. And he went and participated as well. And there were a lot of folks on Twitter who used that as an opportunity to to – Poke fun at Kendrick Nunn. Like, just leave him in the G League. He's so bad. Uh, he's got a, He's been demoted down there and all that. I look at it on the positive and say, this is a player who understands that he's struggling, knows that he needs to get better, and is willing to go in on his day off, essentially, right? And and go put in the extra work to try to get better. Like, this is, this is a good thing. I think we need to stop looking at the G League as a big demotion when you've got players going down there and getting an extra work. I agree. This isn't the G League of, I'd argue, even five years ago, right? Like, going to the G League and then, like, getting – I mean, even just for a practice, it's not that big of a deal. And like you said, like, it it's, might be even a good thing, at least to, at the bare minimum, get more shots up. Because, like, you look at every single shot it feels like he takes in the game, it, they are all short, like, incredibly short even. Um, so just going to get more work, and I hope they've been heavy in the film room with them as well. But, um, yeah, oh, I agree. There's nothing but good, I feel, you can take away from uh, Kendrick not going down to the G League for practice. He has been a considerably better player than what we've seen here uh, over the bulk of his NBA career, and there's only one way out of it, out of this slump that he's in or whatever it is, and that's by putting in the work. And so hopefully he will uh, be able to bounce back at some point. That would be a, a nice addition for the Lakers if they can get him back to where he used to be. Uh, but Thomas Bryant coming in. This this one, like Dennis Schroeder, you can say, well, the Lakers have a lot of other guards they could turn to. Thomas Bryant, this feels like a necessity to have another big. Right now, the Lakers are pretty much existing with just Anthony Davis and Wendell Gabriel, AD, playing basically 100% of his minutes at the center position. Damian Jones, my guy, has been, frankly, un unplayable. Damian Jones and, and Kendrick Dunn, probably the two most disappointing Lakers so far this season. So if Damian Jones is completely out of the rotation, what does this mean to you, Thomas Bryant coming back in? How big of a role do you see him playing, and uh, and what can that do moving forward? I think it allows that Thomas Bryant, Anthony Davis described him as, like you mentioned, uh, unbelievable in practice today. First off, take double the greatest salt, because like, what does unbelievable mean? I feel like that's very subjective. Sure. Um, like, really, really good for Thomas Bryant saying, okay, cool, you're getting a guy that – you know, knock down the three ball well, drop coverage big. But, and, and I hope AD's right, but just going off of the last time we saw him, which was in the preseason, man, he did not look good. He looked, I did, I thought Damian was a little bit better than him in the preseason. So 
Hopefully you get him back and he's actually playing well like he did before he got here. But a guy that's going to hustle and bring that effort defensively as well. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be pivotal for him to actually play well because now you can run some lineups with him at the five, AD at the four. And AD gets to do what I think defensively is best for him, is best for the team. And it's let him be the honest dude defensively where he is just that the, the best weak side help defender in the NBA. He goes to clean everything up off the glass and, and at the rim. And he could test late all shooters. Like, let him be that guy. But you need a big to be able to help AD do that. Like, in Milwaukee, Brooke Lopez is having a defensive player of the year caliber season to help out Giannis. And I'm not saying Thomas Bryant needs to be that, but Thomas needs to be good enough to where you can give him a lot of minutes and play him next to Anthony Davis. I'm – Cautiously optimistic. I don't even know if I can say optimistic here. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm hesitant to assume that Thomas Bryan is going to come in and prove that he needs minutes because I don't think we saw that so far in preseason. We didn't see uh, Thomas Bryant really showing that he should be out there on the floor. Like he and Damian Jones both were struggling. Um, I'm hoping that's not the case when we get another look at him here. I'm hoping that he does prove that he should be in there, that he should be part of the rotation. I think it's something the Lakers absolutely need. If not, if we get the Thomas Bryant that we saw in preseason that just didn't look like he quite had it, the rhythm was off, timing was off, just didn't didn't look like a player that you want to put out there consistently, I think that helps inform the Lakers' choices on either the free agent market or on the trade market in terms of needing another big. If this is kind of the last shot here. I think Damian Jones, they'll let him try to work his way back in from time to time and all that, but for right now, he's out of the rotation. Thomas Bryant gets a shot here, and if he's not able to prove himself, if he's not able to be a consistent contributor, if you're the Lakers, I think you really have to strongly consider making a deal to get a Miles Turner, a Yaka Pertle, somebody like that. Um, What are your thoughts there? I I also think, like I mentioned earlier, while it's a big deal to get Thomas and Dennis back because of the roster valuation standpoint, which is why I think the Lakers have stood pat and not made a deal because if Thomas comes in and he's the same guy from the preseason, it'd be a G- GM malpractice not to make a move. Because mm-hmm. I, I truly think at AD, he said it from a place of frustration at the time, you know, losing games, and he's made it so, like, known. Like, he wants to be the four. He does like right. being the five. But, like, he said it from a place of frustration. But, again, I think defensively, and we'd say it all the time with this team, Trevor, you got to get stops because that's the only way this team's got any chance defensively this team needs AD to be the four and and have a competent five because every time AD's the five and you put him in the ball screen action, he has to switch on the perimeter. Now a shot goes up. There's nobody to rebound. And we see it time and time again, teams murder the Lakers on the offensive glass and they get um, easy putback layups and things of that nature. Um, So I, I think, Thomas Bryant either playing well or not playing well. And I feel like yes, have have to have a short leash. Like the Lakers can't wait three weeks to decide if Thomas is that guy. Three, four, maybe even five games, cool. Yeah. We have our evaluation. Are we going to make a deal or not? Because, you know, there's some other teams that potentially could uh, be willing to make a move to get either Yaka Perto or Miles Turner. Agreed. Yeah, we'll talk about those teams in just a moment. Uh, last thing on the injury report, unfortunate, your guy Max Christie. Now in health and safety protocols. So we don't know exactly how long he'll be out of action for that, but he has to clear health and safety protocols first. So that that puts his status for Friday's game against the Pistons very much in doubt. 
And uh, unfortunate timing. It felt like he was starting to really get a rhythm with the Lakers and Darvin Ham was starting to trust him with bigger minutes. Yeah, and, and now that – just the best way to describe it is unfortunate timing because now the other guys are coming back in. Now, like, let's say a Dennis comes in immediately plays well. Thomas mm-hmm. comes in immediately, play, immediately plays well. The minutes start to shrink, and then Christie comes back. You're right. Darvin Ham was starting to you know, give him more trust. I feel like there's going to be a little less minutes for Christie to play around with. But, yeah. I mean, when he got minutes, man, I thought he did his job and knocked down a few shots here and there when he needed to and just played his, played within his role, uh, which I think is important. I think he didn't – this is this is key. This is going to sound like a, like a backhanded compliment or something like that, and it's not at all, not meant to be for a player his age. Um, he didn't hurt you when he was out on the floor. You, he didn't hurt you with the things that he was doing. He was, he was providing things on the defensive end of the floor. No, he wasn't like the last game. I think he took one shot, but he grabbed nine rebounds. So he didn't give you a lot yeah. on the offensive end or whatever. But for where he's at in terms of his development, for him to be in an NBA game and play whatever it was, 20 or so minutes, and the overall analysis be he didn't hurt you by being out there on the floor, that's actually pretty impressive for a guy that's 19 years old. Yeah, I was going to say even then, like, he more he helped more than he hurt. Like, yeah, those nine right. rebounds, like, were, were big time. Um, he is an aggressive rebounder who is typically not afraid to, to, you know, knock down a shot. I mean, in the month of November, he's averaging about 14 and a half minutes. But really, since the injuries happened, 29 minutes against Utah, 14 against the Clippers. Like like you mentioned, Darvin Ham's really starting to trust him more. And he's shooting the three ball. I mean, decently well. I have to take it a ton of them, but um, that's something I would like to see him do a little bit more. I feel like his release has to get a little bit quicker, though. I feel like he gets it off not as yeah. fast as you'd like him to. Absolutely, and that can be just part of his development. Um, we do need to get into a, a very, I think, pivotal moment for the team that came out of today's practice and actually happened last weekend, and then we heard about it today. So I think this is really important. And we need to talk about it. But first, quick word from our sponsor, No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills against the house and 20x your entry if you hit on all your picks. Bet up to on up to five player props, over-unders, or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with our promo code LakersNation at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the app stores and get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined. Because it's not just how you play, but it's also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. All right, so again, that's nohouseadvantage.com. Use our promo code LakersNation. All right, we need to talk about this this so-called spirited film session. I think this is important. This is part of what led to the Lakers win against the Nets. You know, before I even – I've got clips from Darvin Ham after practice. I've got clips a clip from uh, Anthony Davis after practice talking about what happened in this in this meeting in this film session? Um, I did feel like there was more resolve before we even hear what they say in the Lakers team against the Nets. I felt like there was a point 
when the Nets started to make that comeback in the third quarter, and next thing you know, which cut down to down to three, there was a moment where it felt like the Lakers just said, no, not today. We're not letting this happen again. We are going to find a way to win this game. Maybe this is all stemming from this film session that they had uh, before the Nets game. Film is key. You don't win games without watching film. So um, an 80s answer, Darvin Ham's answer is awesome. We'll, we'll get to the other one. All right, let's let's start with AD. Here is what AD had to say about this film session. Um, seems like that was kind of a look in the mirror type of moment. Just a lot of honesty here. So here's what AD said. Uh, just laying out everything on the table, trying to get a win. Um, you know, we 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 had conversations that a team that is what well, was too intense to have. You know, about what each player can do better, what we can do better. Um, collectively, coaching staff, uh, medical staff, like everybody, you know, we just want to, you know, figure this thing out. Um, leading up to the days of the Brooklyn game, and, you know, it worked out for us. You know, we were able to go out, have a different mindset going into the game, uh, competing at a high level, both ends of the floor, and uh, I was able to secure a victory. So that was Saturday? Uh, yes, Saturday. Would you describe that like, was that like emotional? Was it charged? Like, it was like, uh, it was everything. You know, a lot of emotions, um, you know, guys voicing their opinion. Um, some back and forth, but it was all for the nature of trying to, you know, get better. So, you know, even though it might be a back and forth, you know, it was, okay, I hear what you're saying. Okay, you hear what I'm saying. All right, so now what's the solution? You know, um, instead of just constantly, you know, button heads. So uh, it was a good dialogue. So Daniel right. asked a question. Uh, I'm not sure who that was. It may have been Jovan. Um, but so, yeah, that was a good question that got thrown in there to get AD to go a little bit further with that. Because at first, you know, he talked about it. And then it, we, the, the the reporters wanted to find out, like, how intense was this this moment? You know, and he got into, yeah, players were going back and forth a little bit. Like, this wasn't just, hey, let's be better tomorrow in this next game. Let's, you know, let's win or whatever. It sounds like they were there was you know emotions were high and, and as he said they, they should be when you're two and ten right so I liked that he talked as well about the end result that it wasn't just arguing for arguing sake it wasn't just going back and forth and getting angry with each other it was going back and forth to have a greater understanding and then go into problem solving mode okay this is what you're seeing this is what I'm seeing it's not helping the team. How do we solve this? How do we fix this? That's a, a very uh, progressive mindset, right? That helps you, well, a growth mindset, if you will, if we want to get into education. But uh, so this is a, a growth mindset here from the Lakers team, and that's important that it doesn't just devolve into, I don't like what you're doing here, I don't like what, what you're doing here, and it just and it ends there. No, they're using this to actively problem solve, and that, that matters because I think he's right. These are the kinds of discussions that did need to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about like the film watching or whatever, like here, that's why I'm seeing this, what you're seeing. The whole point of like watching film or studying film rather, because watching it is just like pointlessly watching it, but studying it or whatever. Um, if there's a negative clip or like a bad play that you mm -hmm. make, right? Okay, cool. You made the play. You might, you saw this or whatever. Okay, cool. How do you fix? Like, what is the solution? Like, you get beat back door. Okay, cool. Like, let's, what's our, 
you know, principles for not getting beat back doors. We make sure this doesn't happen. Um, so I, I like a lot of what AD just said. And it kind of feels like it's a collaborative film session, kind of how Bogles was. Yeah. But I don't want to say like it has more control to it because I, I mean, obviously not in it. And I feel like that'd be a knock on Bogle. But I feel like something is like there's more stuff getting accomplished, at least from this team compared to last team, last year's team. Um, in terms of like the collaborative film sessions, or it feels like the players are embracing it, which that might just be what it is. They're just embracing it a little bit more compared to last season. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because Darvin actually gets into some of the specifics. Well, the general generalities, I suppose, but exactly what they were hoping to accomplish. So here's what Darvin had to say about that same film session that Anthony Davis was discussing. It was just more or less more about us looking ourselves in the mirror. <clears throat> finding different ways we can get better, taking a strong, good look at the film, taking our time with it, and uh, allowing the guys to give feedback and participate, communicate in terms of, okay, we see what the problems are. Now, how do we come about a solution? It wasn't a whole bunch of, well, such and such does this, and such and such is doing that, or we don't do this, or we don't do that. It was like, how can we do this better? How can we help? take pressure off this particular person or that particular person and I think you, I mean you saw the fruits of that labor on uh, Sunday and guys came together and uh, they were pros everybody was engaged be it in uniform and street clothes on the in the game on the sideline didn't matter um, and that's that's what I envision coming here in terms of trying to solidify a culture create and solidify our culture to be where everyone is pulling the rope in the same direction. Everyone is focused on how the Lakers can be better. And um, you saw it. So again, right? They face the problems, but with a mindset of how do we solve these problems? And that's, that's the key, right? That you're able to have that collaborative process that you talked about that, that Frank Vogel, uh, you know, we talk about frequently but the goal is not just airing your grievances. It's also actively finding solutions to their problems. I thought that was, that was really important. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. A lot of it was honestly coaches talk. So I'm going to take a little bit more away from what AD I had to say than what John sure. had to say, but no, man, it was awesome. And you know that it wasn't like Trevor, you got be back door. No, Sean, you got be back door two plays earlier. It was, yeah. Trevor, you got to be back door, fix it. Sean, same thing. You got to be back door two plays earlier. Like, that can't happen. How do we fix it? So, like you said, man, like more of a growth mindset, not, not a whole lot of pointing the finger and like elementary school stuff. Now, if you go back, if you, if you play that clip another like 30 seconds or so, I forgot that I'd actually cut it right there. Um, Darvin actually explains a little bit of what he was hoping for. And he said that he was hoping that, and what they were focusing on was getting back to doing the simple things doing accomplishing the two or three things on each end of the floor that they need to really focus on and just simplifying everything. What, and I wanted to, to throw that to you because you're the, you know, the X's and O's guy. What's Darvin talking about? Did you see that in the games? Because he talked about how good they were defensively to start out the year. Was that, was it overcomplicating things that was causing a, a slippage in their defense? Or what do you, what do you think Darvin Ham meant by saying that they were trying to get back to just doing, the, the two or three simple things that they need to accomplish on both ends? Well, I think defensively, I think it might have been a little bit of an overcomplication of things, but the biggest thing is, for one, I think it was a regression 
slightly. Like not, I didn't think it was going to be that much, but I did expect the regression to the mean because, I mean, second best defense or whatever it was, like you're holding teams to barely 100 points that are like not that bad offense. Like Portland's a really good offense. Clippers have struggled a little bit, but Denver uh, and, and things like that. Um, but I, I think in, it's harder to kind of tell, but I feel like the attention to detail defensively in the first two games were a lot more spot on. The, the level of communication uh, was a lot more spot on. And just like, the, I mean, the simple stuff like communication, attention to detail, ball screen navigation, like being in the being in the passing lanes, being in the gaps, the, defending without fouling, which I, he had the, the famous uh, clipboard uh, just yeah, right picture where he's like defend without fouling like that's stuff like that and then offensively man just moving the ball so um getting back to you know the simple things and i was saying we have a saying with with our team it's like there there is no such thing as a small thing because when you don't do the small things they add up to one gigantic problem Mm -hmm. and like you don't talk you don't pay attention to detail your ball screen navigation sucks all that leads to giving up what 130 semi points to the Cavs or whatever so um Good thing they're getting back to the quote unquote small things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That and so I think that was a factor and hopefully something that can continue over on Friday against the Pistons. Um, last last thing I've got here for you uh, from the the post practice session. So you just heard, just heard Anthony Davis Jeez. talk about like this is this is obviously a key moment for this team, right? This film session they had on Saturday was an important moment where they were able to air their grievances. Anthony Davis said it did get emotional at times. Players were going back and forth. They're actively solving problems. Darvin Ham talks about it too. This happened, right? This this clearly happened. Here's Russell Westbrook's response when he was asked about it. <laughs> Russ, AD was just talking about a meeting you guys had on, on Saturday, film session on Saturday, where a lot of emotions came out and a lot of I guess honesty was shared. What do you feel like? What role did you feel that played in playing like before you guys played Sunday? I'm not sure. Honestly, Saturday was my birthday. I was locked in on that. To be honest, I wasn't even sure. Saturday was my birthday. I was, I was happy to make it to 34. I don't know what effect it had on the game, but we won. So, you know, that was, a, I guess, a good thing. I hope. What was your level of involvement in the meeting? <laughs> Um, honestly, I don't know what meeting everybody's referring to, um, to be honest. Um, but I was here at practice. I don't, I don't know. Were you a part of the film, film session? Yeah, I was in film. Oh, okay. Uh, it was regular nothing, film. Nothing, yeah. So that's you? No. Nah. Okay. So it wasn't any different? I already answered. I already answered. <laughs> so, Russ, Russ first says... He was locked in on the fact that it was his birthday, which I mean, hey, happy birthday, Russell Westbrook. But and then he said nothing. Nothing stood out to like it. Like this is like this was Max Christie, right? Who hasn't been part of NBA film sessions or whatever, um, at least not a lot of them, obviously. And he was talking about how he wasn't sure if something really stood out or if it was different or whatever. He doesn't have a lot of experience in in film sessions, so he could understand that, right? But this is like this is AD. 
this is Darvin Ham. They know what a normal film session is and when it's a little bit more. And clearly they were talking about a film session that had some conversations that were a little bit more than a typical film session. That was, you know, you're releasing some of the frustration from the season. You're trying to sort things out. This wasn't just a normal skate through it, whatever, you know, film session here. This was more than that. Clearly, again, Darvin Ham and Anthony Davis, who would know, explain that. And then when Russ gets asked about it, he's locked in on his birthday. And when pressed, nothing really stood out about it. Is that is that just Russ just not wanting to give anything? I mean, we see him do this sometimes with his answers to the media where he just he just doesn't want to give you anything. He doesn't want to give you anything to write about. He doesn't want to. So he just kind of tries to shut down stuff by saying, I don't know what effect, but you'll, you'll see it in his post games. People say, well, you know, it looked like the team put this lineup on just to give an example. It looked like the team put this lineup on the floor. What did you think about that? He'll say, I don't know what effect that had on the outcome of the game. You'll hear him kind of go to that. Cause there's nothing you can do with that. You can't use that. That doesn't inform any of your research or anything like that at all into the team. So he'll do that sometimes, but, was it just him doing that? Or do you think he was really in that film session and just didn't notice anything extraordinary happening? Wait. Okay, so really, really quickly. Saturday yeah. was the film session. They played yes. Friday, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> Might have been he, a long night. but He did go out Friday. From what we understand, from our reporters who were there, said that Russ... In terms of the post-game interviews, Russell Westbrook was gone like immediately Friday night because he wanted to get out to celebrate his birthday. This um, is so unserious, dude. So <laughs> that so that happened. But then Saturday, look what I mean, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Go celebrate your birthday, of course, right? Like sure. that's 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 totally fine. I'm not upset with that or anything. It's just interesting that now like Again, I don't know if this is Russ just trying to shut the question down and not wanting to talk about it. Sometimes players do that. But if typically what players do, if they want to shut a question down about stuff that was happening in a team meeting or whatever, a film session, right. things that are being said, it's very easy. You just say, well, those were discussions we had with our teammates and we want to right. keep some things behind closed doors. Everybody's typically respectful of that and everything. And that's, he. I mean, he could easily just say that and everybody just moves on. He acted like he didn't know what they were talking about. And it's just so bizarre. Now, again, Russ has had a great season. He's been much better. The coming off the bench thing has worked. And that's credit to, to Darvin Ham, credit to Russell Westbrook. And all of that, you know, I don't I don't want get, to get too negative with the guy here, but it's just weird when AD and Darvin Ham are both talking about this profound meeting, film session, and Russ acts like he doesn't know what anyone's talking about yet he was there i i just don't understand it i i hope you're right but like it even if you're right like dude don't say that like make up something else like i i don't know like i was thinking about i had a lot of stuff on my mind i was thinking about you know some personal issues i don't know like make something else up instead of i don't know what you're talking about trevor i was too busy thinking about my birthday party last night like what in the what and then for just that that's like you me matt ron and mark like having a big meeting or whatever talking about how to help the channel grow you got right it's a, it's a spirited meeting or whatever and i'm just thinking about 
the the party tomorrow night and I get asked about it. I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, bro, what? You can't just <laughs> no. So I don't know, man. Um, I hope you're right. And Russ is just trying to dodge the question. But like you yeah. said, they could have just said, you know, just want to keep that behind closed doors. And, you know, some things need to be private. Boom. It, Questions over. Nobody's saying anything else. It's a weird way to to handle that question. I I hope it's because he just didn't feel comfortable talking about the things they were talking about, you know, and not he really was sitting there and had no idea that anything important was happening. I can't imagine that would be the case. But just the way it was was handled was certainly um, a bit odd. All right, let's finish up on this. Oh, boy. Jakob Pertle and Miles Turner may both have other suitors, and those suitors happen to be the Celtics and Clippers, respectively. Yeah, word from Brian Windhorst that the Celtics may be interested in going after uh, Spurs big man Jakob Pertl, who has been rumored to be potentially a Lakers target, maybe somebody they could go after in a, in a deal. And then, of course, Miles Turner was almost a Laker. By the way, Miles Turner uh, last night in a win over the Charlotte Hornets put up 20 points, 10 boards, three blocks, knocked in a three, and was 7 of 10 shooting. Uh, I did watch a good chunk of that game, and he looked pretty dominant out there. Buddy Heal, by the way, 3 of 5 from 3, 19 points for him, plus 4 assists, 2 steals. Again, the Pacers got the win over the Hornets. So what what should we take away from this? Is this, like, this time of year, you get a lot of misinformation, especially as we get close to December 15th, which is the unofficial start to trade season when all the players who signed last summer, most of them are eligible to be traded. Is this word getting out to try to put more pressure on a trade getting done? Or are there just now other suitors around the NBA emerging? And is that going to make the Lakers job that much more difficult? Rob Palenka's job that much more difficult in terms of pulling the trigger on a deal? I think it's more so like putting more pressure on Rob Palenka to make a deal. Out of those two options that you just listed, I think the Yaka Proto to Boston makes more sense. Okay. I mean, first off, look at the two teams that were mentioned. It's the Celtics and the Clippers, the Lakers' two biggest rivals. Let's, that's the first thought that goes to my mind immediately. Secondly, like, who would the Clippers be giving up for Miles Turner, and why are they sacrificing their depth to do that? I mean, maybe it's Zubach, but you're still a wing. Like, what, right. So, like, why are you giving up your, your house field full of wings to go get Miles Turner? Turner when Zubach is perfectly fine. He's been great actually this season at times. And we've seen with Ty Lue and this Clippers team, fourth quarter in games, especially when they're healthy and in the playoffs, it's not going to be Zubach. It's going to be a small ball five, whether it's like Covington or Batum or whatever. So that makes little to no sense to me. Well, and here's the thing with the, with the Turner piece is that I understand why the Clippers might look at their situation and say, if anything happens to Avica, We've got nothing in the middle, right? Like they, they don't have really a backup center. But if that's the case, what you're tr- the box you're trying to check as, is backup center. That's not what Miles Turner is. Miles Turner is going to make twenty million right. plus starting next season, right? Probably the way he's playing this year, he's probably going to make maybe twenty five. That uh, whether he's the starter or Ivica Zubac is the back, they're both good enough to be starters in the NBA. You're talking about a role that is simply below that pay grade so it doesn't i understand the need for a backup center but that's not what miles turner is now miles 
you know, Steve Ballmer might just say, I have all the money, so it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll pay a starting caliber center to be my backup, whether Zubats becomes the backup or Turner becomes the backup or whatever. But it still just seems like it's a much easier solution just to go grab whatever random center that you want that's inexpensive that can just play, you know, 10 minutes a night for you because that's really all that you need. So I'll agree that the Clippers thing seems strange, but the Celtics, like, Pirtle kind of fits what they need. And they've got real injury concerns already with Robert Williams. So I think the Celtics thing might have more legs to it. It's also coming from two different sources. This isn't just one source saying something to put pressure on the Lakers. The Turner thing comes from Eric Pincus. Windhorse had the Pirtle thing. So I think that those things have to be factored into. Yeah. So like, like you mentioned, the Celtics one makes a little bit of sense. Like if the Clippers are dealing with like an injury or whatever, then I'm like, okay, makes a bunch of sense. They need more size. But yeah, like a backup center, sure. But n- no, that makes no sense. Like unless, like you said, Steve Ballmer's like, screw it. I get all the monies. I'm making every trade I want, and we're gonna pay him this offseason too. He could. I mean, he could. That's what what you what you can do when you've got that kind of money. But in any event, this is not good news for the Lakers, right? Because the the thought process has been. Well, who else is trading for Miles Turner, right? So the Pacers, the Lakers, they're in this staring contest. Maybe eventually the Pacers will buzz, budge because let's face it, as the as we get closer to the trade deadline, that puts more pressure on the Pacers to make a deal. Because if yeah. not, they risk losing Miles Turner for nothing unless they decide they want to pay him. Um, he's a free agent next summer. If they don't trade it by the trade deadline, they could very well lose him for nothing um, unless they want to do an extension with him, which so far they haven't looked like they, they want to do. So... If there's other suitors out there, though, that takes away some of the leverage that the Lakers might have by the trade deadline drawing closer because the Pacers can try to play the Lakers and the Clippers off of each other. So this that's not a good thing on that front. Also not a good thing on the Yaka Pirtle front. Any, any type of competition in trade negotiations is not a good thing for the Lakers. And we may wind up looking back at some point on this information as just more evidence that maybe the Lakers should have just pulled the trigger that night before media day when they had that opportunity to trade and get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner for both the first-round picks and just get it done uh, in case there does end up being some kind of a bidding war or something now. Uh, should have just gotten done when he had the chance. Yeah, maybe. And maybe that that may ultimately be where we wind up. I know a lot of Lakers fans already feel that way. But, hey, uh, you know the Lakers are, are targeting Bradley Beal, so – Another another exec says the Lakers should target Bradley Beal and get him and that they think that they can actually get him. I just don't, I don't see if it happens, it happens, but I I think it's a tough path to get there. And if you do, isn't that just perpetuating the problems that you've already had with three, you know, max contract players and then a bunch of better minimums surrounding them. That's been a problem for the Lakers for the last couple of years. And then on, on top of that, like is, is Bradley Beal that, guy that you want to go all in for in order to get again those are the rumors that are out there i don't know i it feels like it would be a very lakers thing to do to pass on a deal for turner and healed so that you can wait on the off chance that you can get bradley beal i don't bradley beal's really good but i i don't know about continuing down this path on the three-star model that concerns me the definition of insanity Expect uh, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Like that's that's raw playing in the front office. Like how many times are you gonna bang your head before you think, "Ouch, this hurts." Let me stop. Like 
<laughs> Stop. Go make the deal for Dev. Don't just like, I love how you phrased it, the off chance. Like, because I have a good chance. The amount of stuff that would have to happen for that to even open up is like a red flag in his own right. But like, just go get some depth, which is clearly what this team needs around LeBron AD. It's just actual good NBA talent that can be depth. And the Lakers want to keep banging their head and getting concussed and waiting for a third star, which. Well. Let's hope at some point they uh, they figured out what path they want to go down and they're able to find the right one because this team does need to get back on track. Of course, you know, now they're coming off a win against the Brooklyn Nets, but still just 3-10 and 10 on the season. Got a long way to go. I think they have to claw their way back to 500. Not going to happen overnight. Not going to happen in one game. Not going to happen in one stretch of games. It's going to have to be an endeavor that they, they embark upon for the entire season to get themselves back into the playoff mix in the Western Conference. But... I think we'll wrap things up there. Sean, thanks for coming on here and talking a little Lakers basketball. We had we have one more day off, and then and then uh, the Lakers will be back in action. Yeah, I guess Pistons. So hopefully we can beat them on Friday and uh, kick off a win streak. A depleted Pistons team with no Isaiah Stewart, no Cade Cunningham. Yeah, they they need to <laughs> they need to win that game. That's for sure. Yeah, that is a that is a must win. You have to thank the basketball gods for putting that game on your schedule. Go out there and get the W um, LeBron hopefully will be in action. We didn't mention him in the injury portion, at least not as much as I intended to uh, hopefully LeBron will be in action, non-contact in practice yesterday. So we'll get more of an update on him later. But with that, thanks everybody for listening and or watching, depending on whether you're over on the YouTube channel or on the uh, podcast side of things till next time. See ya and stay safe. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.